Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Endless Cells podcast. I'm joined by my deadly duo partner. We're back, Francis. How are you? We're all good, all good. Just recovering from Christmas. I feel like I've put on a few pounds, Stephen, but that means you're doing it right, isn't it? A hundred percent. Food coma is what they call, isn't it? I was yeah, gone. Yeah. At, a Christmas di- at a Christmas dinner, Francis paid up about this high with everything on it. It was I had the left exactly. over yesterday. I had the left <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> we, we better stuff in on the side. You can't beat it. Oh, correct. But how was your Christmas? What did you go up to? Yeah, so just went up to my sister's for, for dinner. Obviously, eh, just spent time with the family and that, Stephen, just as best we could and stuff. So, nah, it was all in all, it was a really good day and stuff. What about yourself? I pretty much the same, man. That's for family. Does. They're getting drunk playing games and that. Like, that's what Christmas is about, isn't it? The family spirit and the spirit yeah. and alcohol, do you know what I mean? So, but look, we'll crack on into the Celtic chat. That's what everyone is here to listen to. And we played St. Johnson yesterday. Now, that was on Sunday. We record on Monday, so we went to Tuesday. And by all counts, Franny, a game we needed to win. We needed to get three points from. It was fatal. And obviously, as we always do, we summary the game. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I thought it was actually a really good performance all in all when you see the starting like, like I just bear with me I've got to go because I seen a thing on Twitter earlier about it was 18 players that we had unavailable for selection mm-hmm. and I was just go through them so we, we didn't have Hart, Bain, Hazard Julian, Taylor, Urigide, Murray, Ralston Tumble, Yota, Johnston, Shaw McGregor, Forrest, Dembele, Henderson Geomachus and Ayeti so it, I mean we still actually managed to put out a pretty decent team considering I know I appreciate not all of them are got to start and things like that. They're just it's registered first team players. So when you look at how badly we were, like how bad the uh, the team is missing sort of players, it was it was actually good to turn in that type of performance. And guys like Abad, obviously Kyogo went off injured. I don't. We'll probably talk mm-hmm. about that later and stuff. And then I thought I, I was impressed with Abad. I know me and yourself maybe gave him stick in the past, but we have tried to be fairly balanced with it and pick up on his numbers and, and things like that and I thought he stood up and decided, well I'm not saying he decided he's got to play through the middle but uh, he stepped up to the plate and played through the middle, got two good goals uh, the young boy Dawson that came on, I was fairly mm-hmm. impressed with him, he kept it simple done, held the ball up and stuff he didn't try to be the hero and I think that he just played his way through the game and managed it and guys like the Yesterday you needed like uh, no Saturday Saturday uh, you need guys like your uh, your more senior players like your your Beatons and your Rogets and for me like I said it in the chat as well I, I wouldn't argue Beaton getting man of the match but for me I had to you had to give it to Rogets and but they mm-hmm. two and and McCarthy I thought the midfield three fully experienced plenty of quality in the the midfield three McCarthy as of yet still for me the jury set out but it's more because we're not seeing enough of him I, I, I expected more but I thought the midfield three absolutely strolled at control Beaton was absolutely it was phenomenal absolutely phenomenal Rogic's just just brilliant again how he managed to play football in that part was unbelievable oh. like, I, I seen a thing on Twitter it was like he, he could actually somebody said that he could actually control a ball in a bouncy castle and it's, it's so true man he's just he's ridiculous and Again, he was he was brilliant yesterday, and uh, I was impressed by skills. Again, he, he looks confident enough. I don't pace wise is not the best. I think he gets caught out a wee bit. His sharpness is not the best at times. But again, it was still a really good performance. We obviously had the wee sort of setback with with Starfields. Uh, we probably more like 
uh, lack of concentration could be down to obviously yeah. the minimum, like only the 500 fans. There's no real atmosphere. We were cruising, and obviously, it's a good goal for a St. Johnston point of view. Our, our sort of hero Barkas had no chance, but it was one of them. It's it, just a lack of concentration and defence was the only damper on what was a really good performance, I thought, Stephen. It was. It was a final game, and I think your head's still in the mangle, Francis, because the game was Sunday, <laughs> not Saturday, unless we're oh, playing Christmas it's, Day. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, <laughs> it's Christmas. It's really uh, this to you. It's as you can tell, you're, you're, on, you're on the tenants? Mm-hmm. You on that? Oh, some gear, some gear. But look, <laughs> it was a game we needed to win, obviously, to bounce back from the disappointing draw up at St. Mirren. And let's talk about Abada for the middle, because we have been critical of him, Francis. He hasn't really been taking the games. He's been playing up there, albeit many people still believe he's a winger, but he's adapted to the role of the stringer. I thought he came deep a lot yesterday. He got the ball linked up to play really well, which is good to see. His two goals were different. I mean, the first one came in, he missed, the sh- he missed the shot keeper with a brilliant save, went up in the air, and he won the header against two six-foot-plus defenders. They had no right to win that. Yeah. And then and then the second one, he gets it from a, a lovely Rodgers ball on the edge of the box and just caresses it into the bottom left-hand corner. Like Overall, his performance, I thought, was excellent. And obviously with the disappointment of Kyogo going off injured, but he fairly took that role into his own, didn't he? Yeah, just like I said earlier, there's, I mean, he, he, did, he, he stepped up to the plate, obviously got told, right, due to go through the middle... Like you said, the first goal was great determination. Obviously, it's a nice strike and like said, a great save, but it was determined that he was getting that goal and jumped in between the two St. Johnson's. I mean, Callum Davidson must be raising, like you say, six foot plus defenders, and there's a badder, five foot nothing, jumping in between the middle of them and scoring. That must absolutely ruin you as a, as a manager. You must be bailing at that, absolutely fizzing. And I like to say it was nice we the second goal, nice we nice we play at the edge of the box and Rogic's just doing Rogic stuff with a nice pass and it was it was a striker sort of finish. And I know I've said for ages he's a he's a winger, he's a winger, look at his numbers out wide, but I think as well, Francis, you 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 called a certain comment out and now you're kinda of made your words, aren't you? Uh we but I we I've got to say that because I think he's now got about three goals in his last three games he's playing as a striker. <laughs> So that's why I do a podcast and I'm not in the dugout. Well, here's the simple thing: is he a striker or a winger? What What do you think? I would say he's a winger. I mean, he's apart from obviously in recent weeks, he's played out wide and his numbers out wide were brilliant. So, mm-hmm. and he was signed as a winger. He was all the videos you sort of seen. He was playing out wide. Yeah, some of them would have been in the middle, but you don't know where he started the game in that, like some of the YouTube clubs. But he's Everybody said he was a winger. He was not brought on as a striker. He never once, even in pre-season, he never once played as a striker. So I don't see him in anything but winger, but it's positive that it does look like he can play through the middle. It kind of keeps how we like to play because obviously he's fast and sharp. And like you said, yeah, he, he was dropping in and linking up the play well, which drags the, the centre-halves into positions they didn't want to be. He then opened the space up and behind for him to run in. So I... I, I see him as a striker, but he's been pretty decent as a... I see him as a wide player, sorry, but he's been pretty decent as a striker in the last couple of games. <laughs> seen him as a striker, did he? Uh, after, after me saying how ridiculous that was. But I think, it's, I think it's a case of needs must, isn't it, really? Because we'll have no one else. I mean, Joey Dawson, as you said, he came on, he played well. He reminded me of like an old-type centre-forward. He just liked mm-hmm. the play, took the ball, the back to goal, held it up well. I thought he was actually fantastic for his debut. But before we get on to him, I want to touch upon Beaton. 
the captain of the day, Cal McGregor, was missing when I seen the lineup. I didn't even realize. Obviously, there was rumours of all COVID issues, but you don't obviously know until the lineup comes out. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> but kind of feeling the worst I, of me, but... I thought Beaton was absolutely immense yesterday. I, I really thought it, he stood up. He was he he gave this kind of presence. Yes, he has it, but without McGregor and the team, he had to be that focal point of the team as the captain. And for me, he'd he done the simple things well. He took the goal on the edge of the box, a, a tidy finish, albeit he was trying shots from all angles at points of that game, free kicks as well. But <laughs> he, he's, he's like one of these players that Postacoglu just took, re-energized and refocused, much like he's done with Tom Rodgers, because he was meant to be out the door last season going to Qatar, beat on, we all, we all didn't really, let's be honest, curve he left the club at the beginning of the season. But now he just seems like an important member of the team, doesn't he? Oh, very much like I, like I said earlier, it was it was on players like Kim Rogic and McCarthy to step up, considering who we were missing yesterday. They needed the senior players to to actually be stood up and be counted for. And they like in the past beat on, I like mean in the last sort of and this season, he's not really started games well. It's kind of going to the end of the half and then the second half he's progressed into the game and stuff. But yesterday, just from from kick off, it was absolutely brilliant. And, like his range of passing is, as we know, is really good. And when you've got, a, like, I'm not trying to say he's a better passer than McGregor because McGregor's <laughs> a better passer. Than, but like, when you've got him sitting in that six, it's it's good to have that range of passing in the six. Although I think he probably he probably played more of the the eight role, so he was he was getting a, getting ahead of the the play and stuff. So and getting that chance to get the shots off. Some of them not so good. Some then the goal. I mean, yeah. his goal was a goal was a really nice strike. Yeah, it's it no was. right to put it. It's no right to put it in that near post, but it was as clean as a strike you'll see. And a really good goal, and it was a goal the guy deserved. But I was really, really impressed with him. Like say, him, Ralston, Rogic have just they've really like you've got to credit the three boys. Like say, Beaton was probably I've not seen he was out the door, but they like say well we're not fussed if he was out the door. A lot of us in a wee bit probably weren't first if Rogers was out the door at the, the, the when the rumours yeah. got to Qatar were, were getting muted. Ralston would have never thought he was going to be such a, a focal point in the team and important. So you've got to kind of credit these three players to say they've taken their chance. It's possible like all managers give it the, the, the sort of cliche statement doing the way it's like, oh, it's a clean slate for everybody, it's a clean slate, but probably, I mean, it probably is a clean slate to an extent, but managers will know. That some of these players haven't been performing for the previous managers. There's a reason. Yep. A lot of the times, there's a reason the previous manager's not there is because players haven't been performing. So he's got. They'll be coming in going, well, how can I trust these players that haven't been performing? But yeah, I think they've got to credit, the, like they three guys especially, and then beat on just for really. I don't not. I wouldn't say it's last chance. It was a last chance solution for them. Maybe beat on and Ralston It was at sort of a last chance, and they've really just. Ah, they've been they've been brilliant and beat on yesterday. I thought it's one of his best games I've seen in a long time from. Yeah, a, a captain role is fatal. Yeah. He, he stood up and he definitely did. One thing was interesting as well, Al Francis. It's the first time yesterday we've seen Postacoglu change his formation. He went three five two, which I thought mm-hmm. actually was quite interesting when I was watching the game in the setup, and I thought it suited the team well. We've obviously seen. Celtic before playing on the back three, but they does seem more comfortable yesterday. And I think the players who did come in, you mentioned James McCarthy will come on to him. It's still a deal that I don't understand. It really isn't this four-year <laughs> deal for a player who's injury-prone, spent most of the last years of, at Everton on the treatment table. He's came to us probably no doubt in a big wage. But I did think, to be fair, yesterday he played well. He did the simple things. 
that's a phrase everyone knows about, but you know what I mean. Side yeah. to side, keeping the ball, yeah. giving it to the players who could do stuff with it. The only concern I have watching him, he's slow as chips. He cannot run. Yeah. <laughs> every time, every time a player got a run on him, he would pass. But what, what's what's your opinion on this whole McCarthy thing? Because he is well down the pecking order when you look at the actual squad list where he com- comes into it. Like it's it's mad because if like on one hand we're saying we're desperate for squad depth, and then another hand you look at it, James McCarthy. If you take away all the sort of uh, the the injury side and that, if you try not include that which obviously it's a legit argument where you consider how much he's played recently due to injuries but if you look at we're saying our squad death uh, isn't the best but then James McCarthy's quite is a, a new signing this season is down the pecking order I, that you would kind of take that all day long because James McCarthy is a really good football player there's no getting away from that he's an absolute fantastic football player well but I, I think he's a I, personally I think he's a really really good football player Really good football player. The four it's a pity we've got him at the stage of the career where he can't run. He can pass it like, but he can't yeah, do nothing it else. It was, was never, it was never a box to box midfielder. No. It was always, yeah, at Hamilton he got forward a wee bit more, but it was probably more the style Hamilton played and things like that. But I just, I, the four year contract, I don't get. Maybe a two year would have been a lot better. But also, I think. Players of that ilk can be important if you keep them fat. Because yesterday, again, I thought he reminded me a wee bit of what Neil Lennon would do. He would just break up play mm. and pass it to somebody else. Just let them do it, then take off the defenders, maybe get straight back to the defender. Just, he was always making the sale available. He was getting stuck in and stuff. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good performance from him. I felt like he never really... Well, I was going to say he never done anything fantastic, but he, he broke up the play that led to the first goal. But yeah. it was like it never seemed to do anything that really you stood up and went, Oh my god, that was that was amazing. But I don't but also he didn't have a bad game. I thought he had again, I thought he was really impressive. Some like he has got a good range of passing as well. He showed it in a wee bits bits and bobs yesterday. But I was <coughs> I was really impressed with him. Like I was happy when we signed James McCarthy. I knew if we could get him fat, we've got a really good play on our hands. Four year contract. That can that can be questioned because, like you say, it will be on big money, and it's it's a big gamble. I don't believe it was ever a Postecoglou saying there's no chance James McCarthy is a Postecoglou type player. But saying that, if you can have a fit James McCarthy to rely on, I think you've got a really good play in your hands. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in his quality. That, let's be honest; he can pass it. He, he's good at breaking up the play. But obviously, the concern is his pace for me. But just watching him run, Francis, it's like oh. Unless he's in the correct yeah, position at all, all times. Like you know what I mean? in, well, the players like that have got intelligence that they, yeah. they know where yeah, they position like, Look at John Terry. John Terry was never the fastest, but arguably one of the best uh, defenders or whatever in the, the Premier League. He was never fit. He just knew where to position himself. So yeah, not necessarily no, need to be fast. No, I totally get what you mean. Obviously, I hope he does carry on and stays fit and stays part of the team because we will need him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. The squad's already gone and off and Obviously, we conceded a goal as well. And I think I got the score next right in the last podcast. Yeah, that's I think I said for, I said, yes, got it right. First one, 3-1. Right. I remember going, I can sell like your conceding goals. And Ross was like, what are you talking about? There you go, Ross. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Three ones come up for me. But, I mean, the, the cross and the header from Chris Kane, all in all, was a cracking header, a good goal. But what do you make of this criticism that, that Starfield's receiving lately? I mean, the, the last game he got a bit of criticism this game as well. It seems to be 
is he dipping in confidence? He's definitely took a downturn in form, but let's not hope it carries on. Do you think it's a case of Welsh coming in for him, or mm, uh, potentially a bit more? I don't know. Like Welsh, to be fair, never really lets us down. But I don't know if I would maybe do it like again. Starfield and the main has never let us down, but Ross is he's got that mistake in him. Yes, uh, and then yesterday he had the mistake that cost the goal, and it was so good. Like the pass was was so poor. It was a it was a poor pass. It wasn't even even if it had the pace, it wasn't going to Rogic. And mm-hmm. then it was obviously out of position. He didn't know where to go back into sort of a central defence or try and cut the cross out. And it didn't really show for me enough desire to do either or. I felt it was trying to do the right thing by trying to stop the cross coming in, because it didn't really go with any real desire. It, it gave the get the St Johnson boy plenty of time to get there again. Scales, I I don't know where he was actually positioned at the time, but obviously we're trying to come out, so he's probably up further up the park. So he didn't really come in and cover uh, Starfelt very well, but again, he's probably expecting Starfelt to make that easy 10-yard pass out to Rogic, so he's not expecting yeah. to get to the park. And it was just that it was a free header for him. I've not seen a lot of the, the criticism of Starfelt. I've heard some of it is absolutely ridiculous. Like it's I've, se- I've seen... I've seen some people saying that he's a he's a bomb scorer. He's never played for Celtic again. He's atrocious, that type of thing. But these are the same people who were praising him for his one yeah. run of form. I, w- I, mean? I wouldn't go that far as he's what I will say he's starting to make me feel a wee bit nervous again. I know. Like recently you couldn't fault the guy. He was he was born. I just I think he's more an an instinctive defender when he's got things to think about. I don't think that's his strong point. No. I think he's better just ex- just proper defending when it's just got to clear his lines, make the tackle, win the headers. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty good at it. But I think it could serve him well, maybe bring him Welsh in, even if it's just for a game, just to give him a wee, just to say to him, look, well, I know we signed you for big money, but we're going to have to go with the academy, boy. Cause mm-hmm. we can't, we, not that we can't trust you, but it's kind of saying, look, you need to, you need to get your finger out, so to speak. Well, he's, he's done that with the likes of Turnbull and Rodgers before. He's took them out and mm. put Beaton and McGregor up one and left on them out. It's, it's all about, obviously, keeping them on their toes. And that's yeah, not me yeah. advocating Starfelt drops out because of two maybe dodgy performances. We all know, like, for the, the transfer of these Celtic sign players for, they're not going to be the finished article. And there's going to be a mistake in them. And Starfelt proved that at the start of the season. William on the podcast was very vocal <laughs> about that. Same with me. I was vocal about that. But obviously, the only one defending them was John. He came good and he's played very well. But just at the moment, I'm thinking, is it right to take him out? But then you got to go back to the squad depth. I might need Welsh and another position right back. Or, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you, you, you don't really know it, man. It's just, I hope it doesn't continue then, because you, I thought... Oh, no, go on. Go on. I was, I was going to say, I hope it doesn't continue, but I thought recently him and Carter Vickers were forming a really solid partnership. Yeah, that's that's what's kind of got to say. Like, as much as we're saying, maybe we could bring, bring him out to... To sort of give him that wee warning. In the main, it's been him and Carter Vickers at centre half, and as it stands, we've still got the best best defensive record in in, in the league. So it's yeah, it almost feels weird, complete. But there's nothing wrong with calling out a poor performance or a bad mistake. It's you just try to strive for perfection. You'll never get perfection, but there's nothing wrong for wanting to try and be like strive for it. What well, and another thing missing in the team sheet was our man. 
Barcast was him. I know. That was a that was a that was a that was a big shock, wasn't it? That I was know. a big, big I seen that and then obviously Scott Baines with the COVID thing. I know you're the, the wee academy uh, goalkeeper Obalumu, I think he's an English guy, seventeen. He was been called up the European squads. I did not expect friendly to see Barcast in a Celtic shirt yeah. again, but I seen I seen a tweet uh, it was like something <laughs> along the lines of um I've I all these the famous people on Christmas Day, blah blah blah, and then they, they go. I I can be allowed to say to say I seen Barkas catch two crossballs <laughs> in Dermot Park. It's, oh, you know what I mean? He's like a priority now, like of a goalkeeper, isn't he? But is it is it the case of I know Barkas isn't going to get a sniffing and all the pains of injuries and stuff. And I heard Joe Hart center, so that's a concern. I, I don't want that to be for a long period of time. But Barkas, Franny. What what was said about him again? Because he's just going to thrust back in. How do you think he did, or did he do anything well for you apart from catching the ball twice? Well, the two crosses were, like they were good. He claimed it well. It was the one routine. So the ones what you would want, you would expect a keeper which playing with a couple of Celtic to make. Yeah, the box was a wee bit congested when they done it. So it was it was good to see it. Obviously, give him confidence. But I can remember at one point he had a wee dodgy touch and a dodgy pass just out, and you're like, and then obviously there's nothing, nothing they can do about the goal. It's a really good, so we'll not even talk about that. But there was a couple of moments, and like I don't know if you noticed it, but there was a, it was in the first half where Stephen Welsh, it's a ball over the top, and Stephen Welsh is running back to the box. I wouldn't say it's an easy, the easy thing was to hit the ball out for for a shy what he done. There was the possibility that he could have played it back to Barkas, and I think a couple of players have had a, had a go at him, and you just see him going, I'm not fucking passing it back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I've seen that. I've there's, seen that. Like, there's obviously still trust issues within the first team. Do, I, don't, as I, say, I don't know how long Hart's out for. Obviously, we've got the three-week break, so you have got time to come back in. Bain's obviously a COVID thing, so you'd expect him to be ready, at least not that I'm saying... I trust Bane over Barkas. I probably do trust Bane over Barkas. I know he was our biggest, like, what were his biggest fan, Barkas, but I probably would trust Bane over Barkas. But can't believe you I, said that. I know, Stephen, I've sold myself. I've just sold myself in the dream. I've just, poor Barkas. It's, it's true, and it? it's one of the things. It's, the what the worry thing for me is the, the heart one, because we don't really know what he's out for. Yeah. And that's, that's what's concerning. Obviously, I've got the three weeks, but. Yes, I it's just all these. Hopefully, just everybody just gets sent away and will not have to deal with with COVID and things like that. Because it's just it's it's ravaging it's so, every team in in Scotland, yeah. UK football apart from one. In fact, by the way, that one well, that one should actually yeah. be getting on the phone to Boris Johnson and that. No, actually, able to sort it COVID in no no time. The only team that doesn't well, catch it. I thought <coughs> rumours suggest their um, testing company is based over in Belfast in a, a particular place, but I'm not going to look into that in the podcast. But <laughs> I mean, the the way I'm looking at it is it's so bad that we're wishing these three weeks go by with Joe Hart back and Scott Payne back as number two to some <laughs> podcast. Like me and you did advocate for him. I have to admit I that. I, I do. It's just a fall from grace I've never seen before. Greek no. number one playing football for AEK Athens in the cha- Champions League football, winning Greek championships and he just comes to us and totally crumbles now partly for me I, I'm still cynical and I blame the pre- the previous management regime and that but look one of the negative things obviously was score, conceding the goal from the Chris Kane header another negative issue we need to touch upon Kyogo starting the game 
he lasts his 12 minutes, Francis. Now, this was quite a heated thing in our, in our podcast chat yesterday because I thought if he wasn't fit to start, he shouldn't have played. Or if he was, do you know what I mean? I know players can go, look, throw me in, boss. I can do this for you. I can do a job. But there must come a point where you go, no, look, hold on a wee second. I can do this. We've got Joey Dawson, who was always going to come onto the pitch from my point of view, because I don't think Kyogo would have lasted the 90. Nah, it was not. You, you could have you switched that, done Joey Dawson the 70 minutes, brought Kyogo on for the last 20. Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but when that happened and I seen him break down again, just going for that same hamstring, it's just a worry for me. This is going to be a recurring issue. We'll have him back for four weeks. He goes out again. For another four mm-hmm. weeks, he's out again. And I do not want us to go down that road. Well, I think... I think uh, the the same winning games determined Kyogo starting because mm-hmm. if we if we beat Saint Mirren, I think Kyogo would have probably just been on the bench and no more. And like I said, Joey Dawson may have start would have probably started. But the fact that we dropped points at Saint Mirren, uh, I feel Postecoglou was kind of put in a corner because it's he had to. I think it was. I think Kyogo was only ever got to play one of the two games, and I think he thought. It would, like Ross said, it would get through, be able to get through the St. Mary game because they were decimated about the COVID issues as well. So mm-hmm. I think the gamble was always to play him in the, the St. Johnson game, even though he wasn't going to be fully fit. But probably just, I think, in the ideal situation, he was going to start on the bench because we dropped points, we couldn't. So it was one of the ones where, like you said, it's probably went to Kyle going, going how fit are you? And he'll probably, it just, like most football players, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, I'll be able yeah. to play. Your, your medical team are like, gone, there's absolutely no chance. There's no chance he's playing. And the manager's sitting there going, I've just dropped points the other day. I can't afford to do it again. The, the player themselves saying he's fat. I mean, player, the players themselves know their body better than others, obviously. It's one of the ones I just, I feel like Postacoglu was damned if he didn't, damned if he didn't. It was, if, we, if he didn't start like William said, if he didn't start, and we dropped points again. Folker got to be gone. But why didn't they play again? Why? Why? Why starting them on the bench? It was just, I think, cause of the three week break coming up. It was it was a calculated rest. And Postecoglou's obviously said after it that it's it'll be fine for after it. Time will tell. But it'll be fine after it. Yeah. Obviously, Jack and Marcus, you would hope we'd be coming back in. Whatever business, obviously we've got to touch it. And there'll be business we'll do in the January window that could help you're not having to rush Kyogo back. So for me it was it was it's probably worth the gamble just knowing that he was never going to last and the only and potentially the only injury he was going to get was the hamstring again. So you knew well he maybe just missed the first he'll maybe miss a week or two when we come back, which is not great, but it was one of the ones I just I, f- I thought a lot it was based on obviously this dropping points at St. Marin and he just thought I can't afford to take him out again. But it's an, obviously I get all that. Obviously, external circumstances. You're looking to the future. Obviously, the, the transfer is meant to be coming in. Well rumored today mm. that Mieda was in London for a medical, mm. but it hasn't been announced yet. So, but looking at it just from now and from my point of view, do you not think it's risking his long term fitness by playing him? Not needless games because every game we yeah. need to win. But, but there's no question. But if there's an alternative plan, the likes of Dawson, the, the start up front with a bat in that game albeit no first-time experience, but he is scoring for the B team, so he probably has confidence within himself to do a job. And then kind of flip it to keep Kyogo on the bench for the last 15 minutes. I just thought, if he only lasted 13 minutes, surely the medical team should have said to Postecoglou, look, this is a risk you're running. If it happens, it's another tear or another hamstring pull. 
And it's it's just for me, not a bad management call, but it's like, why risk it? Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Why risk our best player just for a game at Big Darwin Park? They're bottom of the league. We should be confident winning regardless who's up front. And then I look at the situation we find ourselves in with Kyogo potentially out for, what is it, four to six weeks with a hamstring tear. So mm. you, you don't the risk of the player outweighs that for me. You need to keep the best player fit as possible. Like I, I, I do get that, but then you can also flip that and say your best player has to play if your best player's I, yeah, I, see, I, I, Incidentally, it wasn't fit. I mean, the manager coming out and admitted they wasn't fit. So it's I, I just think it's we had no real other strikers to to call on. Yeah, you could say the young lad Dawson, but I just, I don't think it's fair trying to bring a seventeen year old lad in to do that. Like I know St Johnson are, are rock bottom, they're not playing good, but neither was St Mirren. And we never done it like we never managed to break them down. So I just I I just go back I just think it was a a calculated risk and we'll really We'll know if it's paid off come the 17th of January when we're back playing football and if mm-hmm. Kyle goes in the, the first-team squad. If Kyle goes in the first-team squad, then then it's a risk that's been worth taking. If it's not, if he's not and the manager's like, oh, well, it's touch and go for the, the derby game, then you're sitting going, well, was it worth it? And then potentially saying, well, it wasn't worth it. It's just, it's once we know the extent of the injury, it's, it's kind of one of the ones you're sitting got to go, well, it was worth it, but I, to- I totally get what you're saying, how it can be deemed as bad, man. You could argue it's, it's well, you can't, it's not that you can't, you, you can say confidently that it is putting the player at, at risk. We know he's not fit. He knows it's a hamstring injury that why he's not 100% fit. There's obviously muscle injuries and certain pain things that you could play through. There's obviously injections, but hamstrings, you just, like, you can't, really, there's nothing really you can do for them to no. get you through a match. So, yeah, I do understand what you're saying there, Stephen, where it is potentially putting our best player at risk for a, a long-term injury, but it's, I've surely, the, obviously, between the manager the player and the medical staff, they've said, look, this is, this is what you've got to get. It's it's not going to be, it's not got to put, the hamstring's not in a great condition, and now it's not, the worst it's got to do is two, three weeks. That's all I can hope for right now. It's, I think, like I said, on the 17th of January when we're back, I, I think that will determine whether it was a risk or not. Yeah, no, I totally get where you're coming from too. I, I was just, for me, I react all the time. You've seen me mm-hmm. fall for things that I shouldn't fall for. It's, it's just part of my personality. Do you know what I mean? When I see something so blatant that you kind of knew what, what's going to happen during the game, you're always hoping he doesn't pull up. But mm-hmm. then the it happens and you're like, oh, and the same hamstring as well. And it's, <laughs> it's just unfortunate. But I do get what you're saying. He's damned if he does and he's damned if he doesn't. With, with fans that have different opinions of it, me and myself, I just think, if he wasn't fit enough to start again, don't start him. Do the game plan and then bring him on as an impact player. So I mean, obviously it's not as simple as that. Kyle was our our best player a season back country men. So <laughs> it's a catch twenty two situation. But before we move on from the game itself, I mean, what one of the talking points again I've seen online is that just stay at that pitch at the McDermott Park. There's literally better parks out the back. Do I mean it's it's absolutely insane that that was on TV? That's mm-hmm. an advert for Scottish football, and that, this is what pisses me off because people look at that sort of thing from down south or further afield and yeah. go, that's why Scottish football is shite. That's why the standard's not good. And I don't blame them because that pitch for me was an absolute disgrace for professional players to play on. It's When I when I seen that come up when they're doing their training, I was like, 
Are you serious? It, it was almost almost as bad. Do you remember when um, Fair Park had the sound oh. in it? Because oh, it was it was shocking. What did you think when you seen that? But uh, like like you say, it's along with that pitch and Chris Boyd constantly being punted in front of the cameras for Sky for Scottish football. Sky, it's too. It's just it's embarrassing for Scottish football. Him and that pitch. It's it was yeah. unreal. Un like like you say, it's a professional football. I know the Scottish game's not dripping with money. The teams have not got great money, but surely they've got enough money and enough resources that they can get a pitch to last like up until Christmas. I know the weather's not great, but it's not been it's not really been snowing now. Yeah. I stay about about an hour away from Perth and it's slightly higher up and sort of a above slip, but we're at we're in West Lothian it's you're either snowed in or snowed out. It's been pretty cold recently, I'll admit that, but yeah. it's not really snowed. I just I don't know any reason why that pitch was in such a such a bad condition. Because like you say, Fifth Park, which I'm closer to, was predominantly known for being horrendous pretty much all season round. Yeah. And that's nearly every pitch in Scotland is in great condition. Like St Mirren's pitch was brilliant the other night. I just it was. I don't I don't know, does maybe St Johnston actually train on that pitch as well, which that shouldn't really be happening if they are. I, I don't see why there's surely a public park that they can at least at least train Public on a front park. But it's, I just if if your if your staff can't keep your pitch in a half decent condition, then you be training on it Monday to Friday as well. I just it was an absolute embarrassment to be shoved in front of the cameras saying, Oh yeah. well, here's our here's our our big game for the weekend. This is our, our premium sort of fixture if you like that sky's picked and you get that absolute shock in uh-huh. the pitch. And then Colin Davis is on the swing set blowing the whistle when they're training uh, <laughs> at the local park, you madman. Nah, but just, I totally... I mean, I don't mean a swing park. I mean, like, there's obviously public football parks about. Come on, Steve. I know. I know. I know it's Christmas, but, but then it'd be silly. I get. I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, Adverse for Scottish football, that definitely wasn't. And another factor in the game was the 500 capacity limit, but refreshing as always, Francis. Some Celtic fans turned up and you could hear them throughout the game singing and chanting, albeit it was probably like 30 or 40 of them, but they didn't make themselves <laughs> heard at the, the corner forest bit where you could see over into the pitch and there was um, shite headlines and um, wow. major newspapers saying Celtic fans tried to storm McDermott Park and had confrontations with the police, but obviously John Paul Taylor, the, the Celtic SLO, came out and said that's a load of nonsense. Just narrative after narrative of shite against Celtic fans as we always see, but again... That shows you football without fans is absolutely nothing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it was just uh, uh, like I, I just hope, I hope and pray. Like, after this three week sort of a break, I, I don't think we'll be back to full capacity, but we're giving ourselves our best chance to get get to that stage. I think it'll be more there, sort of a percentage type thing, which. See if you can get maybe ten to fifteen thousand in at Parkhead and things like that. Well, it's enough to create an atmosphere. Five hundred's no good. Like, like five hundred f- uh, fans at Parkhead is not even one percent of the capacity. It's no. mental. And then like teams like probably Greenock Morton, they'll get like five percent, and it's probably about twenty percent of their, uh, yeah. their capacity. So just be a wee bit more proportional, but 
yeah, just I, I so hope that we don't this doesn't prolong for another sort of six, seven weeks uh, and stuff like that. Just even if in an ideal situation, obviously, when we get back after the winter break, it's full capacity again. That's the ideal situation. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But surely we can't continue to wait 500. There's got to be some sort of way we can proportionalise it and get percentage of fans. Because I've seen like Aberdeen had said that it cost them roughly 500,000 to host a game with 500 fans. Yeah. And then Motherwell are 750,000. Their CEO reckoned it cost them. They actually said that they would rather, they wouldn't rather have it as closed doors, but it would benefit them better because it wouldn't cost as much because don't need to put police and stewarding and all that on. Yeah. So like outside Celtic and like teams in Scotland can't really be spending that sort of money to host a football match. So just a wee bit of common sense. I mean, when Jason Leach is coming out and saying that the the five hundred is just a figure he's plucked out, they've essentially plucked out there and backed it without signs. It's you've surely got to then go right well. Can we get full capacity? No, right. Well, we need to be logical about this. What can we do? So, yeah, yeah but uh, it was an eerie, eerie atmosphere and I just, I don't like it. And once again, our manager just put uh, the reporters in their place when they thought he had a wee agenda and stuff. Well, that, that's very true. That's very true. I think his comments after the game was spectacular. Again, he backs the club, backs the team. And mm-hmm. anyone who suggests that Celtic wanted this break to benefit themselves is totally, totally far off the mark. If, As he said, if you're watching that game as a neutral, even as a supporter, and you're enjoying silence during the game, mm-hmm. baffling. And I, I, I genuinely thought as well, like the fact that mainstream media companies are trying to paint the narrative that there was trouble, there was confrontations. Uh, I, I, I don't understand this because you could clearly see by the, the footage they were in li- literally beside a tree. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There was some fella hanging hang- on the tree. <laughs> there was some uh, there was someone else hanging on the tree. Like, well, what 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 do you want them to do? That they were there trying to voice the, the support. They couldn't get in the stadium, and I think that's perfectly fine. If I give my views, Francis, on what I think of this situation, I'd probably be hooked, uh, hanged out the dry. You know what I mean? It's it's just it's baffling. I think it's embarrassing that again nobody within Celt, like obviously Postacoglu back, uh, back us. But I mean, higher up in the boardroom, it's absolutely embarrassing again that none of them have came out and defended the club once again when yeah. uh, the mainstream media are having having a pop at us. Like they should really be going after them, saying, "Look, this is false accusations." Like it was not so long ago. It's like it's weird because every time we were winning, we would always go after the media. Always go after them when they reported so like I can remember the Morelos interview that he done for Sky. Sky interpreted it wrong, said that he got racial abused at Parkhead and that and it was just total misinterpreted the football and Celtic went straight after the video was down after about two hours of getting released. And now they're just it's taking like other folk out with the club to actually defend it. Like I'd seen a comment that uh, St Johnston fans were actually sitting with this like standing with the Celtic fans. I don't know how true that was, but Apparently, there was, there was like zero trouble. The police obviously had a wee word just yeah. to say, obviously, they've got they can't, the police can't not see anything. They probably just went up and we, if we got to get, hopefully, we'll not have any trouble. But one, clearly, there was no trouble. Do you know for sure the cameras didn't have much to look at in the stands? So, they would have, if there was any sign of trouble, they'd have been round there. As I say, I've read things online that even St. Johnston fans had turned up to that hill and they all had a bit of banter between them and that. So yeah. it's, there was, it's, there was, it's madness. 
there was one guy that went into St. Johnson pub and bought them all pints. <laughs> and I think that's just, that's fantastic. But that that's uh-huh. great. It, the whole narrative about this is, is mental. The, the fact that you have to come out and defend the club from literally nothing, like the the, the supporter liaison officer. Do you know what I mean it's a, a made up story to sell papers? It's it's craziness. Like it really is. And you look at this break brought forward for the obvious reasons. I think every member club in the SPFL voted for it, apart from Dundee and Rangers. I think. Uh, Ross I think it was Ross County. Oh, Ross County. That's that's because Ross County. Probably get five hundred fans anyway. But <laughs> you, you, you look at you do look at this, and it's logical because you want to give the supporter every chance to get in the stadium. You want to give clubs a chance to put their protocols back in place, do them all over again. Because every club, apart from one, as you said, are ravaged by COVID issues. So that's trying to eradicate that, or else you're going to be playing with literally under nineteen teams at some points in the, in the SPFL season, which isn't good enough. And I thought Postacoldi summed it up well. And Francis in that, in that after-match press conference with Sky Sports, and they try to kind of say, well, this benefits Celtic. It's like, get get your head out of the sand. Just get your head out of the sand. What way would this benefit Celtic? Yes, we've got injury issues, blah, blah, blah. But a supporter who's pumped money into a club year in, year out, deserves a chance at least, at least to get into the stadium and see the team they love. And the fact that people are trying to peddle this to benefit Celtic, it's scandalous, isn't it? It's almost like it... It was Celtic voted for it, and everybody voted against it. And the SPL went, "All yeah. right, Celtic have said it's." It was a majority it went to it went to a vote, and now that like Rangers actually voted for it against that, and then I've just called off their B team game because they want fans in the gate, they want fans in the stadium. It's like what what, what argument is what argument is it then? You didn't want fans yeah. in the game, or you do? What what like honestly like. Tell a wee bit of me understands Ross County the extent that they kind of went on a good run, so they probably want they just kind of want to kick on and keep going because teams like Ross County points are vital, so they know when they're on a wee run, like a, a wee six six points or whatever that they potentially could have picked up, but they may not pick up now. Could be the difference between them staying in the league and not. So I, to an extent, I understand a wee bit of Ross County saying, "Let's do it." And like you said, they probably didn't get a lot of fans anyway. So and. Leading up to the winter break, they might have actually had two away games, so it probably it, I don't know what their fixture was. It potentially wasn't even affecting them home game wise. They maybe thought, I don't know if it's got a home game, so we're playing all right. Two away games potentially could pick up six points, and then that could be the difference between them staying in the league or not. Mm. But it's there's why you don't want to give fans the best possible chance to get into a football match. I just don't get it. Like, well, we're desperate for. To go and see football, keep football going. We don't. We, we certainly don't want football to stop and not finish. Bringing this winter break forward is it, close to the, the sort of a circuit breaker type thing that has been brought in. Just, just for me, makes total sense. And yep. just to try and get it's to try and have as least impact as we can on on the fan, the paying. I hate using the paying customer, but we are a sense of a customer, yeah. but just. Give the fans a chance to be in games. That's all we're trying to do here. It's all we're trying to do. But they may done certain news outlets, certain certain pundits will spin a different narrative and call it sport integrity, etc., yeah. etc. Et but that is what it is. Eh? I, think, I think clearing that situation is the right thing to do. I mean, I, I find it absolutely mental how Jason Leach basically admitted that he kind of, as you said, plucked that number with no no science behind it. <laughs> 
500 for every stadium in Scotland. It's, it's mental. And then a senior man come out. I know he's called John. Is it John Sweeney or Swiley or something? He, he came out and basically try, tried to link a, a super spreader event to the, the League Cup final there two days after mm-hmm. it with, with no evidence again to back that up. But it's seemed to craziness. forget a game that was on in Glasgow the day, the, the day before. Exactly, but it's 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 mental how things are portrayed, isn't it? It, it just shows mm. you sometimes what you're up against. But look, looking ahead to the the Tramway transfer window, which will be a fatal month for Celtic. Obviously, what the rumours today was that uh, Mieda, the striker mm. from Apostolos old team in Japan, he was in London for a medical. Obviously, not been updated by the club, but that everyone's kind of gathered pace in that. Um, Uriguchi has kind of calmed down a wee bit. The centre midfielder has been no. Kind of hang around him. The uh, is it Hatabe? Hatabe rumor still Hatate. going strong. Hatate, Hatate, Hatate. There we go. But looking at it, looking at it, do you think we're trying to get all the eggs in a row here and then just get them at once? Well, I, like what you guys were talking about on Thursday, they get good that we get business done early. But if it's mm. these three guys and nothing else, I don't think that's a good January transfer window. I think we need more, especially okay. as I believe. I, I, Bobarkas go, I, I think a lot of that will depend on what Hearts, Hearts injury is, because it wouldn't be fair relax, like obviously we'd assume Ben would be coming in, I, I don't know if Hazard's a Covid issue or he's injured then it wouldn't be fair to be sitting with the young 17 year old as your number two. Ball and goalie I think regardless of what business you do I think you'll get away with him going because he's He's a way down the pecking order again. So I think if you can, he if you gets, can gets paid for free. Yeah, I think if you can if you can move him on, move him on. Uh as I say if Hart's not serious, then just just cut your ties with Barkas. It's him and Bollingall are probably two big earners. But yep. after that, I'm in agreement with what you lot were saying in, in Thursday. It's just we need to get more in before we let folk go. A Yeti would have probably said could go, but his injuries probably ruling him how it, out in it. And so I think we need to do more buzz. I think obviously with the, the three Japanese boys, I did hear in uh, sort of the super scoreboard today that apparently the work permit issues are dealt with. So I think the the Eddie Gucci, I think that deal's still happening. But mm-hmm. it's just kind of went a wee bit quiet. And like I've also heard that my editors may be in London and Hatati and the other boys may be coming in tomorrow. So I don't yeah. know what sort of if there's any quarantine. I'm assuming there will be some sort of quarantine things. And then the good thing, obviously Postacoglu will know all these three players, but will obviously know Maidana or Maeda, sorry, what they signed him for. I, uh, the I thought you said Maida. I, I, I said Maidana. He's a boxer. <laughs> uh, Maeda, it's like, obviously Postacoglu signed him, so he'll know it'll not really need to work it, it'll just need to integrate him with the squad, so I think the good thing is it's uh, with him and it's players who know, so it'll just need to integrate them, but I hope we do other business I think maybe we need to probably, I don't necessarily like the loan market, but it might not be a bad idea just to uh, January is a hard time to do business, I, like I agree with Ross, it's, it's a hard market Celtic have never really done but like no. obviously you've had like Robbie Keane and Craig Bellamy coming in and one deal was sort of in the last day. But you might need to do I'm not saying you'll sort of bring in that sort of a marquee type signing. But at, like you could maybe even look at the domestic market, the Lewis Ferguson rumors keeps cropping up. I don't 
I know at one point I was backing it up, but I don't really see the benefits of Lewis Ferguson coming up apart from weakening Aberdeen, essentially. Mm. It probably, like, domestically probably could do a job if, if the fee wasn't stupid. Like, if you were maybe picking up for a million, a million and a half, it's maybe worth worth doing. But I would, I would be looking for these, obviously, I think... The three Japanese boys, if they come in, I think they'll come in early just simply because the league finishes time and helps that. There's probably work going on in the background to get these done early. Then I think any business after that, I would like to get another two or three in and then maybe try and move some guys on. But if you're moving these guys on, like maybe bring in a couple of loan boys just to cover them because we are trying mm-hmm. to build a squad. I'm not wanting to just buy boys because we've sell, we want to sell somebody. I want to bulk and beef up the squad. Obviously, we want to do it with, with, uh, with quality. So just try and just... I would try maybe maybe a couple... A, a centre-half, maybe, just because we just don't know what the deal is with Julian. Don't know when he's coming back. But it's maybe something, maybe even just a loan deal at centre-half. And then... Sheer Duffy? Like, well, he's actually doing all right at Brighton, so who knows? <laughs> Probably wouldn't be the Hello. worst idea. <laughs> uh, but I probably in the four like Maeda could be beneficial because he seems to be the type that can play anywhere across the, the front line and I probably I, I would like another strike I'm not what I write I'm definitely not writing Jack and Marcus off but I just I don't see us bringing in another striker of that out because I don't think the manager will be allowed that but I think we need maybe two or three on top of on top of the three Japanese boys, if they yeah. come in, obviously in various positions, potentially a left back, because this Hatate seems to be more of a midfielder or stuff. So if we get a left back in, great. If not, I don't think it's the world's worst. Uh, so I, if we're doing six players, I think that would be an absolute fantastic window, providing nobody really leaves apart from obviously I think you'll get away with getting rid of Barkas and Bolingoli regardless of what business you do because we're fairly okay in the positions to be fair well I think that what makes it worse as well the news today that Turnbull might be out for up to two months so yeah. there's, there has yeah. to be consideration for that so you're potentially looking at another another midfield player added on yeah. to Eric like and Hatate and then a number 10 type creative player Um, I think the, the most acceptable ratio would be 6 in 2 out that type of thing but in reality you're probably going to get four and a push and then three out and they'll mm. be kind of back back where we were in terms of squad depth it, January is a hard month it is predominantly we never really do much business obviously you alluded to the fact Robbie Keane but their loan moves Craig Bellamy and other loan moves permanent ways I don't think we've really come up trumps it's, at the top of my head nothing's coming to me but mm. I mean I think it's final I think Postacoglu's kind of he's hinting towards the like when he talks to the media about transfers that he wants it done early and he seems like the man to me he will be pissed off if it's not done early because he knows the importance of it but you made a great point it's, we can't just add for the sake of adding it needs to be quality players who can make a, an instant impact in the starting 11 and also add to the current squad depth without letting much players leave because it, it's, a, it's a weighing thing isn't it you need to kind of weigh it up We'll certainly do that. Well, we'll try and balance the books as we always do. It's kind of been, we'll have to wait and see. January's hard window, but hopefully we do come out stronger. And we'll be doing a few shows during January when the transfer business comes in as well. I'm obviously encouraged by the, the sort of Carter Vicker rumours that are coming out again that yeah, seem that they want to try and do that in January. And then hopefully they're doing something similar with, with Yota. But, but like, they, for me, 
as much as it would be over the moon if you got the whenever and if we got the deals done in January, build them in, but I don't want them I wouldn't class them as deal like extra players because they're already in the door. They're just securing them. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't want say you got the three Japanese boys and you done the two yacht like you done the yacht on Catavacos. On paper it looks a great window, but essentially it's it's just three extra players at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that's I think that's 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 what I'm saying. Like if they do them deals, there there's already what if the rumors are twelve million pound because it's six million mm-hmm. for Flicker, six million for Jada, and then whatever the the transfer fees mount up for the Japanese player. So to be fair, that would, it would probably be north of fifteen thousand, which is a lot. You essentially couldn't ask for much because that would almost be a, probably around about thirty million for the season, which is so that's not yeah. not the not the worst backing, to be fair, for a brand new manager. Obviously, you've got deals like uh, Edward and Christian, things like that, and Ayer that are north of probably 30,000 if you tally them up, but uh, 30 million. 30,000? I know. <laughs> got robbed. Got robbed. Uh, You're 30, definitely stolen Christmas over there, Franny. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just going to stop talking. No, no, but I, I, I do get what you mean because you look at it, right? It's two extra bodies, but as players, it's already there. And yeah. for me, you need to add at least two more on top of that. But we will see come January, and obviously we'll be doing our own transfer shows when it comes to it. But look, that brings us to the end of the show. And just unfortunately, the way circumstances fail, there's no quiz because it'll just be me bombarding you with questions. You'd be saying it was a Saturday, but it was Sunday. Brilliant point. Brilliant point. So for the people who are even listening and watching on YouTube and listening on Spotify and iTunes, we're going to be doing our end of year show, so we're bringing back the extravaganza. Every member will be involved in the podcast. I've planned it in my head. I've wrote it down and sent it to the boys, and they're all happy with it. So if it goes as good as it goes in my head, it'll be a fantastic show. But no, us that, it'll be an absolute disaster, Franny. But well, it's one to look forward. anyway, so who cares? Exactly, but it's one to look forward to, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, why did you ask my question when I was just taking a drink? You were like a waiter there that comes over when you're eating food. Is that good? <laughs> Done that <on> purpose. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm really looking forward. It'll be a good wee change up. Obviously, with the winter break, there's there's maybe not really a lot of content to talk about, and it's be a good wee quick wee recap of the first six months of the season, and then just and a wee special special treat. But how what way that is. It, it could either could be special for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> or if the circumstances dictate to be back to me and you again for the end of the year, show, probably. Yeah, no, we should be all right. We should be all right. Probably yeah, be a full squad. I think yeah, we'll well, have a all the boys. It, yeah, you either love it or hate it. All the I boys think. will be on, and as Franny said, we'll, we'll be enjoying a few sherbets the end of the year on the high, and just talk to you guys who've supported us and. Yeah. Throughout this whole year, I mean, it's been it's been mental with all the sport we've had. It's increasing day by day, viewership and subscribers. iTunes and Spotify is going well too. So we want to thank you again for that, and we do hope you had a very good Christmas. And until we speak again, which will be the end of the year special. So look forward to it. Stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>